If you would, turn your attention with me in the word of the Lord to the prologues of Luke and Acts. That's Luke and Acts chapter 1. Luke and Acts chapter 1. Luke and Acts were both written by one person. Uh, They were written by a a man named Luke. And it's uh, helpful to think of these two books as almost a volume one and volume two of the same story written by the same person. By word count, this individual named Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. It's easy to look at our New Testament and see a lot of uh, letters from Paul, and there absolutely are a good number of them. But by word count, uh, the, the title goes to Luke. Uh, because he wrote Luke and Acts, and uh, no other gospel writer, uh, Matthew, Mark, or John, went on to write uh, an account like Acts, and thank God for the book of Acts. Thank God for the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and that Luke saw fit and heard the call to not just do what others had already undertaken to do, but to do more. And we have certainly benefited from that, haven't we? Luke chapter 1 in the New King James Version, verse 1 says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the, the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Let's flip over to the book of Acts chapter 1 and see a similar prologue opening that Luke begins this next book with. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 says, The former account, speaking of the gospel, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Luke wrote both of these books, both of these documents, the Gospel according to Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And the common denominator seems not only to be a focus on the life of Jesus and his apostles, but that they were both written with a particular individual in mind, this individual named Theophilus. Turn to your neighbor and say, Theophilus. Theophilus. And it's from this thought that Luke did this uh, with a particular person in mind that I want to introduce what I believe is going to be a theme for us in the year to come in 2023, and that's one at a time, one at a time. You may be seated. In Luke chapter 1 and Acts chapter 1, the author Luke opens both of these books by identifying one individual for whom these documents have been purposed and prepared, and his name is Theophilus. It's a fun name to say, Theophilus. 
Some have speculated that this Theophilus is a name that's used just to represent the church at large, that Luke was writing for a broader audience and he knew that it was going to be published abroad. And certainly it has been because we sit here in the year 2023 and we read these words and they were published abroad and saved and recorded for even this generation. Others have taken it literally that Theophilus was a particular individual person. And I think that Luke knew that this work that he, would, that he would do would eventually be published at large and it would be an appreciated documentation of the life of Jesus Christ and his ministry and the ministry of his apostles. But I will not dismiss that it points out at the beginning of each of these books that there is one person that Luke has in mind while he is doing the hard labor of putting together what we know as Luke and Acts. Doing a work like Luke did in that first century was a monumental task in his day. To do something like what we hold in our hands today in the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, these chapters and these verses that constitute the majority of the New Testament that we have, doing a work like that was a monumental effort. He had to identify the need. He saw the need that it was present, that there needed to be some documentation like he was going to provide. He says, I saw fit to set in order a narrative. He had to establish which people were eyewitnesses of what had taken place. And not just those that were eyewitnesses, but Brother Riley, who was credible among those eyewitnesses? Who could he go and talk to? that would give him information and help him paint a picture for you and me of the events that transpired of the life and ministry of Jesus and then the life and ministry of his apostles in the generation to follow. He would look and he would travel to conduct these eyewitness interviews. There wasn't technology where we could just FaceTime or make a phone call or trade emails or even send something reliably through a mail system. He would have to travel to locations, to meet up with these eyewitnesses that had been there, that had seen a particular thing taking place. And he would conduct the interviews, and he would corroborate the accounts of those interviews and match up their information with the information of somebody else who had seen and heard what Jesus or the apostles had done. And once he had collected this enormous body of information, Luke would have to go through the hard work of actually writing it down. He would have to piece together the different elements and the different things that had to have taken place, and he would have to harmonize the life and the ministry of Jesus. It was not an easy task. It was not something that was done over the course of a single weekend or in a single afternoon. An angel didn't deliver it to the hands of Luke, who then carried it out into the streets and began to publish it abroad. Luke would have to write and copy and publish and then send it to its intended target. It was a task that likely would have taken months and perhaps even the course of years. And I'm launching us out today on this very first day of 2023 on a value and vision shaping journey of our faith. Before we launch headlong into everything that it encompasses to live life like Jesus did, one at a time, we have to grapple with and ask the same question that I believe Luke had to look at himself. 
And I was impressed by the Lord in the past month to address this one question before we launch any further into the year. And this is a question that ought to drive us toward the heart of God. And the question is simply this for this morning. Is one enough? Is one enough? I don't know anybody who doesn't want to make a difference in the world. We all want to change the world. We all want to leave a mark on the world. If you're a saint, uh, a Holy Ghost-filled saint of God, then that takes a different shape. You want to leave a mark on the world for the kingdom of God. You want to do something and allow the Lord to work mightily through you. You want to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And it's easy to notice as you look around the world today that the world measures whether you make a difference in terms of how many and how much, how many friends you have, how many followers you have online, how many likes, how many comments, how many views, how much money, how much power, how much clout. Something you'll notice, however, about studying the life of Jesus is that he was never about any of those metrics. He didn't have any of the modern ways of magnifying his reach or building his brand. Jesus was never voted into office. Jesus never traveled very far from his hometown. Jesus wasn't internet famous. His life and ministry that we are called to imitate as his disciples. His method can really be articulated in one simple idea, and it's one at a time. One at a time. One at a time was enough for Jesus. One at a time was enough for Luke. And the question that I would challenge every person under the sound of my voice here today that would put themselves in that category of somebody that wants to make a difference for the kingdom of God in this life, the question that I would bring to you this morning for your consideration is, as, is one enough for you? Is one enough for you? Jesus ministered to the multitude. You read it all the way through the Gospels. But he invested in the few. Jesus was known for having one-on-one relationships and teaching moments and conversations. We see time and time again where Jesus would go and he would pull one person aside. He would target one person. He would go through a particular territory so that he could have one single interaction, Brother Brian. Jesus was known for that kind of a ministry. He would direct remarks at one person in the middle of a group. Sometimes we make changing the world more intimidating and complicated than it needs to be. Because wherever God has placed you, that's a place and a space where he wants to use you. You may have never recognized it, but you're not on your job on accident. You're not on your campus on accident. You're not a member of your family and your extended family on accident. God has placed you in that place because there are people and there are circumstances that he wants you to address and minister to. And he isn't expecting you to do it all at once, but he's given us a model And the model is one, one, one at a time. Wherever he's placed you, whether you're a parent, whether you're a student, a grandparent, a teammate, a sibling, 
a co-worker, a neighbor. There is one in that setting, whether you've ever recognized it or not. There is one that God has placed in your path that is seeking after him, that is searching for truth, and that is looking for answers. And God has divinely ordained that you would be the one who would reach that one individual. And he has designed it to where every single one of us has the capacity to do it one at a time. There's not an individual under the sound of my voice that does not possess the giftings or the capabilities or even the call of God on your life that would prohibit you from fulfilling this mandate of Jesus to reach people and to love people and to care for people and to share the gospel to people one person at a time. It was good enough for Jesus, Brother Uzel. It was good enough for Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He had one person in mind when he did all that mind-boggling hard work of sorting out all the eyewitness testimony, traveling and accumulating it, putting it together, harmonizing it, staying in tune with the Spirit of God as he did all of that. There was one person that Luke had in mind. And his name was Theophilus. That force that shaped the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. That force that drove Luke to do what he did. It lives inside of every Holy Ghost filled believer today. It's the same Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. I say that because there's someone here today that's already thinking and saying to themselves, this message or this call to action today isn't really for me because I don't have that same type of personality type that Jesus had. I don't have that same set of giftings and personality that Luke necessarily had. But it's not about personality and it's not about particular giftings, but it's about a call of God and it's about his spirit that activates inside of you. And if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, there is undoubtedly something Something about this message this morning that is resonating with you because the Spirit of God and the heartbeat of Jesus is one at a time. He is reaching the world, and it is not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and come to know Him and walk a life that's pleasing unto Him and live holy and righteous and sanctified and changed and transformed and fully persuaded. In this generation, when Jesus got someone in his crosshairs, everything else blurred. Everything else became secondary. When Jesus got someone in his crosshairs, his plans adjusted. His agenda for the day moved a little bit. You read some of those gospel accounts of when Jesus had some of these one-to-one interactions, and it almost, if you put yourself in that moment, it almost feels as though time stops. Because there's a focusing of attention on one. Whatever his concerns were for the rest of the day, Whatever the plans that his entourage had, and they always had an agenda that they were trying to 
prod Jesus along, whatever that entourage had in mind for the day, when Jesus put his crosshairs on somebody, all of that took a back seat. I want you to hear that this morning. The expectations of other people took a back seat when Jesus zeroed in and saw a person in need. When Jesus saw a person who was lost, when Jesus identified a person who was searching for truth and looking for something real, someone who was hurting, someone that was looking for a new way of living. I'm pausing and pointing that out because you and I have contact with individuals like that on a daily basis. And we would do well to look at the model and the example of our master and see that when he had an interaction like that, when contact was made with somebody like that, it didn't matter what anyone else around him had in mind. It didn't matter what the rest of his agenda for, on his calendar for the day looked like. It didn't matter what else was going on around him. Those things became secondary because he knew that his primary mission was to reach people one at a time. This is probably today a call that involves a lot of inconvenience because it's a call to a shake-up spiritually. But if you're serious in this year to come and beyond about taking on the form and the spirit of Jesus Christ and his ministry, if you're serious in the next season ahead about being used by God, this is the place and time to answer that unction and that moving of the Spirit. Where is Luke today in 2023 who will say, it's time for me to see the need of my hour? I'm going to step into the confusion. I'm going to step into the brokenness that's around me, and I'm going to be a beacon for kindness and truth and compassion and the kingdom. Where is the Luke who will commit my time and my energies to the kingdom for the sake of maybe just one? Where is the Luke in this hour who will say, I know that it's a tall mountain to climb, and I know that it may not be done in the course of a single afternoon or a single weekend's efforts, but I'm willing to apply myself and to do whatever's necessary. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to invest, and I'm willing to even be a little bit inconvenienced for the sake of one because my master set the example, and I desire to follow in his footsteps. He did it one at a time, and I would posit that question to us today, to anyone who would aspire to the type of ministry and impact that Luke had in his generation is one enough for you. I'll give you a hypothetical this afternoon, and I hope and pray that across this room, there's many individuals who will make a difference not just in the life of one, but in the life of many people. But what if, what if it was just one? What if your impact for the kingdom of God peaked in the eternal difference that you make in the life of one person? Is it enough for you to take it seriously? Or is it not worthy of your attention? 
does it not rise to the level of your energy, your focus, and your vision? I'm here to call your attention today to the one. Because all throughout this county, and all throughout these neighborhoods, and all throughout our workplaces, and our schools, and our homes, there are ones. There are ones. Some of them you may already know their name, and some of them you have not yet become acquainted with. But there are ones. They're in our streets. They're in our supermarkets. They're in our homes. Every person is called for one at a time. Every person has the capacity for one at a time. And the question you must answer today is, is one enough? Or have you written it off as too small to merit your focus? I'm talking about souls today. I'm talking about one soul in eternity. What does it take to make a difference in one person's eternal soul? The musicians would come. Luke shows us that it takes alignment with the heartbeat of Jesus. You see a direct carryover from the way Jesus did ministry to the way Luke was doing ministry when he wrote Luke and Acts. There was a one-at-a-time approach. Luke had gotten a hold of a one-at-a-time philosophy of doing ministry and life. He was walking his everyday life one at a time, just like Jesus did. The second way that it takes to make a difference is not just getting the heartbeat of Jesus and integrating that into your life, but it takes a tough willingness to work to reach one. I'm going to say that one again, because that's the one that even after we spend some time at the altar today and we let the Holy Ghost impress some things on us and give us direction, it takes a tough willingness to work, to do what it takes to reach one. There is scarcely little convenient about it. It almost always involves sacrifice. But I'm here today to advocate for the one and to say that one is enough for you to care about. One is enough for you to accept the call today. One is enough for you to pray for. If it's just one, if that's your peak, and I hope that there's many to come afterwards, but it starts with one. And if it was just one, it would be enough for you to pray over. It would be enough for you to study and to be prepared to teach a Bible study and to open up the word of truth to them. It would be enough. We're talking about an eternal soul today. And I pray that across this room this, this afternoon that there would be a move of the Holy Ghost that if you are not persuaded that what I am saying is true and that what I am saying is for you, I pray that the Holy Ghost would do what this preacher cannot do with my own words and that the Holy Ghost would persuade you down deep in the deepest part of who you are that one is enough. One is enough. We're all called to witness. We're all called to work we are all called to use our talents. Would you rearrange your time for one? 
Would you go out of your way for one? Would you study and prepare for one? Would you pray for one? What I'm asking and what I've asked already this morning is one enough for you to hear the call of the Spirit and to respond to him today? There was a burden that hit Luke for this one individual named Theophilus. It didn't just drive him to an altar, but it drove Luke to action. It took over Luke's life. Luke wrote a gospel. And then when he penned the last word to that, he did what none of his predecessors had ever done. And he undertook writing another volume. He went further and did more than anybody else was willing to do in his generation. And I, I found myself stepping back and wondering, why was that? How does that kind of drive get embedded in a person? And it goes back to the topic today. He was doing it for one. None of the other gospels open up addressed to a single individual like Luke's gospel and like the book of Acts does. It doesn't make them lesser. It doesn't make them inferior. But there's a dimension of ministry in Luke's life that is born out of a willingness, a tough willingness, to not only make it a matter of prayer at an altar, but to make it a matter of action in his everyday life. It was that desire to see one saved. I want to bring someone to Jesus. I want to bring someone to Jesus. I want to bring somebody to Jesus. I want to see their life transformed by the power of Jesus. Theophilus has to know. Theophilus has to become convinced. I have to find a way to demonstrate to Theophilus that this is real. Whatever it takes, one is enough. One is enough. Luke, where are you in this day? Where are you, Luke? Who would work to reach for the one? Who will intercede for the one? Where are you, Luke? Stand all across this room. For Luke and for you, this is the single activity. This is the single call of God that will mean more to God's story for your life and your legacy and his purpose and his design for who you are as a person. It will mean more than anything else. One at a time. One at a time. 
This is how the life of Jesus Christ becomes your life. This is how the life and ministry and heartbeat of Jesus Christ gets incarnated into your life, into your daily walk, is by saying there's one that he's putting in my path today, this week, this month, this year. There's one that he is putting in my path. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to involve sacrifice. I'm going to have to be ready. I'm going to have to pray. I'm going to have to study. I'm going to have to be kind when no one else is willing to be kind. My attention span's going to have to be greater than anybody else's. But if I'll do it, there's one that I can make a difference for. Where's Luke? Where's he at? These altars are open right now, and I would that you would find a place to respond to the Spirit of God in this place right now. You're never too young. You're never too old to say one at a time. You're never too busy to say one is worth it. One is worth it. One is worth a trip to the altar. One is worth a plan that I can make with God. One is worth a skill that I can learn. One is worth a consistent daily study of God's Word. One is worth it to intercede to make a disciple, to teach a Bible study. One is enough for me to answer the call of the Spirit. One is enough to reach a soul. Come on, let this be your answer to the question today. Let your response in this moment be your answer to the question today. Is one enough for you? Come on, Theophilus has to know. There needs to be a demonstration that flows out of your life. Because there's a Theophilus, there's a one who needs to know. He needs to be persuaded. He needs to become convinced. He needs to know that it's real. Come on, there's a woman of God here today that God is putting people in your path. And you can be that living epistle that they read and they know. That it's real. Come on, there was a fresh burden that hit Luke. There was a burden that hit Luke's spirit. And I just believe that from heaven right now, there's going to be some names and there's going to be some burdens and some passions for the lost and for people and for souls and for eternity that's imparted into the lives of the saints of God. Somebody that lifts up their hands, somebody that bows down their, at their knees and says, God, one is enough. This is the substance of God's story working itself out in your life. This is His Spirit becoming incarnate through you. This is His power working itself out through you. One at a time. One at a time. One soul at a time. One person at a time. One prayer at a time. One life at a time. Come on, Luke, where are you? Where are you, Luke? Where are you?
are you, Luke? Where's the Luke of this generation? Where is the Luke of this generation who says, I'll go and do what no one else is willing to do? I'll go a step further. I'll stay a day longer. I'll pray longer. I'll study more. I'll develop a longer attention span. I'll develop patience. Tarro, shotorobo, tarro, torobo, ha.